On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, hearing God will take you on an exciting journey of growing in fellowship with Him and walking in His ways as you respond to His voice. Welcome to Hear and Obey. This is session six. I hope that you have enjoyed the previous ones. Uh, Last session, I really talked about practical things, and these are things that that God has used in my life. He, He is very creative. And so don't think it has to be the same way that when I talk about certain things, he wants to, he's personal. He's personally involved in our lives, and it's just different. So, so I'm trying to help uh, expand the, the picture for you to be able to hear him, but don't be limited either by just what I say. He is not limited by what we say. And so he just loves us. He wants to communicate to us. Uh, he wants us to slow down so we can actually hear him. And he wants us to be a people that would would seek after him. Now, session six, what I want to do in this one, I want to talk about the the setting aside time. I'm talking about real practical things for each day. If you go to, I'm not going to turn there, but you can go to Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Luke chapter 6, and there's about three or four occasions in Luke. And every one of these, it says that Jesus pulled away to be alone with the Father. Now, if Jesus needed to pull away to be alone with the Father, I would think that's probably pretty important for us. Uh, Remember, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There is the understanding, the principle of first things, first fruits are his, uh, the tithe is his. Um, How about the first of the day? Again, I'm saying you've got to get up in the morning early and spend time with the Lord, but you need to set aside time every day to spend with the Lord. Now, I personally like getting up early and spending time with the Lord. When our children were young, uh, wow, it just, I couldn't do it. I mean, it didn't matter what time I woke up, they woke up too. And so I had to then adjust my time to spend with the Lord. But evenings are hard for me. It seems like it's the uh, it's the last of the day. It's hard. I'm tired. Hard to do that. So finally, the kids got a little bit older. I could sort of recapture my early morning. And, it, and it's, this is a funny story. We had um, our son was playing tennis, and uh, the tennis coach had this bright idea of, of in the winter, he had uh, gotten permission to use some indoor courts, but the only time he could use them were at 6 o'clock in the morning, 6 to 7. So I come home, and, and Susan said, David's going to take tennis lessons at 6 in the morning. I said, no way. I did 6 in the morning because that's my quiet time. That's when I got my time with the Lord. Nope, no way, not doing it. She goes, well, I'll take him. I go, you're not taking him at 6 in the morning, getting out and driving him to some place. All I could think about was how miserable he was. So finally, I said, okay, I'll take him. And I just thought, I gripe. I had a bad attitude. <clears throat> so I have to get up at 530. You have to get him up. We got to get in the car. We got to drive to this place. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I am not, I don't have enough time to drop him off and to go back home and drive back up there and get him. We're going to be in traffic. I just... I just had a bad attitude. Well, I was passing on the way to this indoor court. There was a 7-Eleven on the side, on the corner. And I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll just go over there and get me a cup of coffee and just sit and wait 
wait for him. And it's in the winter, so it's cold. And I sit in the parking lot. Do you know that that became one of my best times I had with the Lord during the time that he was taking those lessons at six in the morning? I drop him off a little bit before six, go back to 7-Eleven, get a cup of coffee, come back and sit in my car. I'd sit there if it got cold, turn the engine on, turn the heater on. Um, I'd drink my coffee. I'd read my word with a dome light in the car. I'd pray. I'd worship, listen to music, listen to things. That was one of the best times I ever had with the Lord. So all I'm saying is you need to set aside time, set aside time, find time. Uh, if you want to have a relationship with someone, you need to spend some time. It just takes time. So don't get frustrated by a limitation of when you think you can do it, but find time, make it a priority. Now, the second thing I encourage you to do is get in the spirit. Now, what does that mean? Well, in some way, you've got to get out of your mind thinking process of just worrying and thinking about your things of the day. You're going to have to ask the Lord, you know, Lord, what do you prefer? What do you want me to do? What are you wanting to communicate today? Some people read the word, and that's the way you get out of yourself. Some people worship. Some people pray. Some people pray in the Spirit. People do different things. So I'm not saying you have to do any one thing. Practice. See what God does. See what kind of, what happens for you, what works for you. Different things work for different people. But the point is, is to get in the Spirit, get out of yourself. I shared last session about the importance of praise and worship. Because praise and worship is one of those vehicles that God has given to us to get our mind off ourselves and onto the Lord. And the Word does the same thing. Prayer does the same thing. But it's important to, to get in the Spirit. If you have a quality, quiet time, you're going to have to learn how to quieten your soul. This is important because there's so many things going on. There's so many issues going on today. There's so much busyness. There's so much happening. There's so conflicts. There's all kinds of uh, uh, deadlines. I've got to get this. I need to do that. I mean, the kids need this. The, I've got to do this in the workplace and all these things. So you've got to learn how to quieten your soul. One of the practical ways is to take a uh, a pad or a, and a pen and just, you know, the moment those things pop up, I, oh gosh, I forgot to call so-and-so write it down, uh, write back, try to press back into the Lord. And then, oh, I need to do a report. Oh, write that down, need to do a report. And so write those things down and try to transfer them from the preoccupation and controlling of your thought process to something that you know you won't forget. Practically do those kinds of things. Uh, it is really hard under pressure to hear from God. Uh, he's not pressured. He's at the right hand of the Father. The Lord is. He's full of peace. There's not a problem. He is not up there wringing his hands, pressured, worried about everything. That's us. So what we've got to learn how to do is to quieten our soul, our emotions. And, and again, we get so involved in everything. It's so intense. You're not going to hear God very well doing that. You're going to have to learn how to let things go. Another thing is that you've got to keep your heart clean. And this is what bottom line is, is, forgive people. You have to really learn how to forgive and release people. You know, it says to bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you, love them, do good to them. Um, when we're in conflict with people, it's really hard here for God. And why I say that is because God is love. Perfect love laid his life down and forgave us a debt we couldn't pay. 
So he's saying, look, I want you to love the same way. I want you to love, and I want you to forgive, and I want you to bless. And so when we don't do that, it just, it just jams everything up. So we really got to learn how to forgive. We learn how to let things go. And that is so, so very important. You've really, I cannot overemphasize that because if we choose to hold on to unforgiveness, as if you hate your brother, you say you love God, you're a liar. First John, you, you can't. Um, because he loved us and forgave us, he wants us to love and forgive too in practical way. I encourage you to keep a journal. And why is this important? Well, because you need to write down what you think you're hearing. If you get something from Scripture, write it down. Write down and keep a record of it, because then what that does is helps you to go back and look later and go, that really was the Lord. I really did get something. Or you go back and look at it and go, uh-uh, that was just me. That was not that was not the Lord at all. So keeping a record is so, so very important. So it's just, again, these are just practical ways of how to really have a quality time with the Lord. Now, it's important for us to, to recognize that, uh, one more thing I want to say here, is that when we're having our time with the Lord, uh, I'm not talking about praying, I'm not talking about intercession. We need to intercede for our loved ones, family members, the nation, whatever. Intercession is something God has called us to, but I'm, what I'm talking about here is a time for God to speak to you. You can speak to God, but it's, a, it's relational. It's not just a one-sided prayer deal. It's not just, I need this, I need that. I need. Listen, here he knows what you need. So we don't have to go through a whole bunch of litanies of things of all we need. He already knows everything, and he's already got everything in his hand. So this I'm talking about is really a quality time of spending probably mostly listening and not talking. Probably the most important thing we do here is really hear what the Spirit is saying to us and not trying to get something, asking for something. There's a time for that. And there's always a time in this, in what I would call our quiet time or our alone time with God, that we can ask. And he tells us to go inside and ask, but you don't have to ask with a lot of words because I already know what you need. So I'm just, I'm just telling you this because it's important because we have a tendency, we're so performance-oriented, we have a tendency to go, I'm going to have a quiet time and I spend all that time praying for everybody, praying for this. Well, we need to pray for our loved ones and family members and things that are going on in this in this world that we're associated with. But I'm talking about in this is really developing a personal time with the Lord where you're trying to hear Him. Now, we need to test what you receive. 2 Corinthians, again, chapter 10, verse 5 says, we're bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Uh, are you? Are you stopping the traffic and, and testing those things that come into you? Or are you saying, wait a minute, where'd that come from? That, that didn't feel like the Spirit of God. Uh, I've had this thought. If you have these, you know, I have people today, we were reading in the news, or, well, I, I had this thought to kill somebody. That's not from God. I mean, any kind of negative things like that. I mean, that, that, where do you think that came from? It came from the enemy. So this is 1 John chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, Beloved, and who is beloved? We are. We, us, his children. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, 
because many false prophets have gone out into the world. What is he saying there? He's saying that, look, we're responsible for our own thought life, and we're responsible for discerning really what's right and what's wrong. How do you do that? Well, again, back to the Word. You've got to know what the Word says. But you also know by this inner working of the Spirit that lives in us, He will guide you into all truth. Not just some truth, all truth. It's the Spirit. So when when we testing the, the origin, where's something coming from? Uh, when it's coming from you, it's usually born in your mind. It's something that you're probably aware of, probably something thinking about, talking about. If it comes from Satan, I can assure you, it's not going to be focused. It's not going to be good. It's going to come with uneasiness. It's going to be fear. It's going to be all kinds of stuff because that's who he is. It's coming from his nature. If it comes from God, it's going to it usually is a spontaneous accompanied by peace. So again, think about things that are going on in your life right now. You just think about it. Think about what's going on. If you're processing lots of stuff, it's coming from you. But if there's that uneasiness, that worry and fear and anxiety, I'll tell you, that's not from God. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And when God comes, His brings peace. God's, God's spontaneous things that happen in our life, you just, I just know. I just, yes, yes. But that's not all. Test the content. First John 4, 5 says, They're of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world hears them. Again, what's he saying there? He's saying, well, the things that come from the world, from the enemy, from the natural things, these are the things that we, again, from ourself, if we're coming from our own intellect, it's probably something that we've learned or acquired. We may have some uh, awareness. Again, it's, it's usually analytical. We can think through the process. That's from us. If it's from Satan, it's just going to be negative. It's going to be destructive. It's going to be fearful. It's going to be contrary to God's nature, but it's going to be inconsistent with his nature. It is going to be something that causes you to feel really uneasy. Now, here's another interesting thing. When we think we got a word from God, and I've heard people say, well, God told me, or God showed me this, or God showed me that. Well, the reality is, is that, listen, God's word can be tested. See, when God gives you something, it's positive, it's edifying, it's comforting, not afraid to be tested. Remember Daniel? And uh, all kinds of different people would go to God and would have all kinds of, you know, say, Lord, what about this? And God would answer. My experience has been when I hear people say, well, I got this from God. Are you open to testing that and letting other people around you that are close to you? No, I got this from God. Uh, I immediately begin to be nervous because I feel like, I'm mm, not so sure about that. I mean, listen, we are, yes, God sets us free from being in bondage. He sets us into freedom. But the, the last stage is not I'm free, I'm free. The last stage is that I'm interconnected in the body of Christ so that I'm connected in the way the body should function. So I'm I'm... I'm in bondage over here. I get saved, born again, filled with the Spirit, moved along. And I sometimes want to, <laughs> I'm free, I'm free. I'm, I don't need to be, I don't have anybody. No, that's not the last stage. The last stage is being interconnected into the body of Christ with brothers and sisters walking together in the Lord.
So a lot of times we need to uh, we need to really test the content. The next thing is is test the fruit. Uh, this is Matthew seven seventeen through twenty. Said even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Wow, what's he saying there? He's saying just very simply, a tree is known by its fruit. You've got to understand, this is the whole issue of of why we're testing things. How do you bring thoughts into captivity? This is how. When it's something from us, we just sort of know it. You know, we're thinking about something, we're we're worried about something, we're thinking about processing, we need to do jobs, we've got all these responsibilities. So it's just like, you know, you sort of know when it's coming from you. But I'll tell you what, when it comes from the enemy, it's going to bring fear, it's going to bring all kinds of anxiety, worry, it's going to cause you to move in the wrong direction, whether it's pride or ego. Listen, it's always going to be negative, again, because it's comes from negative fruit because it comes from Satan himself. His character is going to be reproduced and trying to be reproduced in us. He wants us to agree with his negative persona and all of that. Whereas God's going, no, God brings hope. He brings faith and power and love and he brings revelation. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's the fruit not fruits, plural. So when it's God, that's the kind of fruit that should happen. But when it's the enemy, it's going to cause all kinds of problems. Revelations 12, 9 said that the the dragon, the serpent of old, um, the devil and Satan, he's a deceiver and the accuser of their brethren. Again, is there anything good about that? I mean, there's not one thing good about it. So the point being here is that You've just got to, you've got to take a minute and try to, if you're hearing something or whatever you're getting, you've got to say, wait a minute, where did it come from? You know, what, what, what's the content of this? What's the fruit are we, what, what am I experiencing? Man, when you have all this unrest and uncertainty and all kinds of anxiety and fear, that is not God. And God wants us to have peace. I've got a chart here. I think if you, again, had your, your uh, manual, but Satan on one side and God the other. Satan always accuses. And what that looks like is that he says, you're never good enough. You're always a problem. He condemns. You should have done this or you should not have done that. It's always condemned. You, you never do what's right. It causes division. The enemy sees the problems, but there's always no solution. Always brings degrading thoughts. He always wants us to get into revenge and hate and unforgiveness. Wants us to be judgmental. And what does that produce? Produces condemnation and confusion. So again, I could list this. We could go through this. We could talk about a lot of things. You think about what happened in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they became self-absorbed with themselves. They recognized right off that they were naked. They became ashamed. They they lost the love of the Father. They were fearful, and they wanted to blame one another. We've been infected by that also. So all of that happens in our lives. We have a tendency to feel ashamed. We have a tendency to go, oh, my gosh, you know, if you knew me, you wouldn't like me kind of stuff. And 
I, I, I'm fearful because perfect love casts out fear, and I want to blame everybody else. First thing I do, it's not my fault, your fault. And that's the fruit of the fall, but that's, the, that's also the very nature of the enemy. It's not God. Look what God does. God always shows mercy. Now, he'll convict of sin. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But it's always about building relationships, not tearing things down. He wants us to see good, and he always has a solution. What is that solution? <clears throat> well, it's to repent. But he encourages, he forgives, he loves, he redeems, it's peace and order. Remember, the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So all of that is that what he's, he has called us to do. Remember, Jesus died on the cross between two thieves. One thief is a thief of yesterday, and one thief is a thief of tomorrow. And the enemy is always trying to get us to worry about yesterday or be worried about tomorrow. And his goal is to steal today, because really all we have is today. Today, I can enjoy his presence. Today, I can hear his voice. Today, it says in Hebrews, if you don't harden your heart, you know, today. We have today. I don't have a promise about tomorrow. I have today. I can enjoy uh, the Lord. I can enjoy one another. That's really what God wants us to do. He wants us to understand that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Okay, in this last part, I just want to talk about the difference between conviction and condemnation. Uh, I, basically, I can talk about the difference between the devil, what he does, and what God does. I like to demonstrate this in a way that I hope that you can understand. Um, I like to hunt, and I like to hunt both with a shotgun and with a rifle. And so a shotgun, if you understand what a shotgun is, it has a shell with lots of little pellets in it. It doesn't shoot very far, but it shoots out those pellets, and if you saw a pattern, there's just lots of little holes. A rifle, on the other hand, has one bullet, and it is specific. It hits one thing. That's the difference between condemnation and conviction of sin. And it really produces condemnation. What I, the end of condemnation is that I feel terrible. And, and I, I feel like I've done everything wrong. And there's no, I mean, I'm just a sorry person. Because that's what the devil wants you to think. He wants to think you're a terrible person. But the conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit is pinpoint. It's specific. He never, he, definite, is focused on one thing. He hates sin, but he never crushes you. He never runs you down. He'll say, Terry, that is sin. But he never says, Terry, you're a sorry, rotten sinner. That's what the devil does. He wants to make you feel rotten. He wants to make you feel horrible. God doesn't want to make his children feel bad, but he does want them. He wants to help us. He's always after our very best. He always wants to try to help us. Uh, it's easy to recognize because he'll say, that's it. He points at that. Um, and he wants us to, to agree with him. If, what do we do with that? We repent. We change the way we think. It's, it's not complicated. We, it's specific, and it's always with a way out, always with something that's good. Promises God's power to correct and gives hope. The conviction of the Holy Spirit never challenges you as a person or challenges the, the, what he says in his word about you. Never does that. It bolsters faith, releases power, love, and brings peace and joy. So there's a distinct difference between, again, the 
condemnation of the enemy, and the conviction of the Spirit of God. And all I'm trying to share in this session is to understand really the way in which the enemy works and the way in which God works. So if we're going to have a quality time and developing a quality time where you really pull away, and again, like I say, if you're going to have a good relationship with someone, you're going to have to spend some time with them. And you can't spend time with them with a bunch of other people. That's just the way it is. If you're going to be married, you've got to spend time with your spouse. You've got to have to have some quality time. And you're not yelling and shouting. You wouldn't do quality time at a basketball game, professional baseball game, or at a football game. That's not quality time because there's a crowd of people and it's noisy. So the same way with God, we've got to learn how to draw near to him and be quiet with him. But at the same time, the moment we do, We've got to recognize the enemy is going to do everything possible to disrupt that he hates our relationship with God. He hates God, and he hates you. God loves us, and he cares for us, and the Spirit of God is wanting to guide us and direct us. Let me pray. Father, we love you and bless you, and we thank you that you have loved us, do love us, will always love us, and that you have the very best in store for us. ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us to develop a quality time so that the communication can be sweet. Help us, Lord, to set aside time. I pray, Lord, that everyone that hears this and listens to this would be a people that would draw a way to be with you. I pray you'd help us to to stop the traffic, especially the negative things that comes from the enemy, so that we can hear your voice. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to really understand that the enemy is constantly trying to condemn us and harass us. But Lord, you have come that we might have life and might have it more abundant. So I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would help us. Help us to really hear your voice and help us. You said, we will not follow a stranger. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to hear your voice and to be able to discern the voice of the enemy so that, Lord, we could be clear and distinct. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your amazing love. Thank you that you would you would speak to us. Thank you that you would come to us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us, guide us, and direct us. And we love you and bless you and thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.